0: Welcome, everyone, to the Hike's Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. Week 11 was one of the craziest of the year, with Hawaii and San Jose State getting huge upsets. UNLV continues to roll, and not one, but two head coaches get the boot. We'll have two extra segments today, with one on the conference championship scenarios and the other on the two stunning head coaching changes and what's to come next for those programs. We'll then talk about what's coming your way in Week 12 as always, we'll finish the show by handing out this week's Hikes Peak Weekly MVP. Let's get right into it. First, let's start with Air Force traveling to the islands to take on Hawaii. The Cooter Trophy up for grabs here. The Rainbow Warriors got off to a hot start with a 12-play touchdown drive that was capped off by Pofale Ashlock catching a five-yard pass in the end zone. Air Force would put together a 20-play drive a few plays later, but only came away with a field goal goal. On the final drive of the first half, Hawaii was at the goal line and needed three tries to get in, but Braden Shager fought his way into the end zone with just two seconds left in the half. Down 13-3, to the Falcons needed a spark and got it from a 35-yard touchdown run from Dylan Carson. Hawaii would respond, though, with another Pofele-Ashlock touchdown catch, his second of the game in Braden Chager's third. Air Force missed an opportunity after missing a chip shot field goal, but what ultimately did them in was a turnover, with Jensen Jones getting rocked and losing the football where safety Meki Pay was waiting to scoop it up and sprint into the end zone, 27-10 Hawaii with 11 minutes to go. Air Force got a field goal on their next drive, but it took too long and they would never score again. In the first matchup in four years, it was the underdog Rainbow Warriors hoisting the Cooter Trophy and still have a slight chance at a bowl game at four and seven. Air Force, on the other hand, has dropped two straight after one of their best starts in school history and now set themselves up for a win-and-your-in game with UNLV for almost all the marbles. Braden Shager played phenomenal, 22 of 29, 170. Seventy-six passing yards, two touchdowns, and ran for fifty-seven rushing yards and a touchdown. Led the team in rushing, which is quite impressive considering he's more of a pocket passer. Pofaily Ashlock had twelve catches, sixty-seven receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Peter Manuma had twelve tackles and an interception. Jalen Smith had eight tackles, a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble. Verdell Edwards II had seven tackles and a forced fumble. Mekki Pay had six tackles, a tackle for loss, and the scoop and score that put the game away. And Noah Kima and Cam Stone both had two tackles and an interception. Without Zach Larier, both quarterbacks struggled for air force. Justin Jones finished three of seven, 114 passing yards and an interception. On the ground, 56 rushing yards and two fumbles. Backup Ben Britton only threw two passes and they were both interceptions. Dylan Carson was by far their best player offensively. 13 carries, 87 rushing yards and a touchdown. Alec Mock had 10 tackles, which led the team. And Jaden Goodwin had six tackles and a sack. Next, let's go over Fresno State taking on San Jose. State. The battle for the Valley was everything it was hyped up to be. The Spartans opened the game with a nice touchdown drive with Chevin Cordiero hitting Malachi Miller for the 25 yard score. The Bulldogs would answer with their own long drive, but it stalled late leading to a field goal. San Jose State scored another touchdown with Cordiero throwing a second touchdown to Isaac Jernigan. Mikey Keene would get picked off by Matthew Tago, but then fumbled it, but the Spartans fell on it at the Fresno 18 yard line. They handed it off to Kyrie Robinson. And three straight times to score their third touchdown in as many drives. The Bulldogs would punt on their next drive, and you guessed it, San Jose State marched down the field and scored again. Cordero's third touchdown going to Nick Nash from 14 yards out. 28 3 Spartans after just 20 minutes. Fresno State got off the mat and scored their first touchdown of the game, a 39 yard pass from Mikey Keene to Magdalena. The 28 10 score would hold until halftime, and the Bulldogs had a chance at a comeback by getting the first. Logan Fife, who came in for the injured Mikey Keen, led a drive deep into Spartan territory, but got greedy and was picked off by sophomore Michael Dansby, who raced 98 yards to the house, a 14-point swing to make it a 35-10 game. No one would score again until the fourth quarter, but it was once again San Jose State, with Kyrie Robinson picking up 47 yards on one carry and the touchdown on the next. Fresno State would have another touchdown drive, ending with Jalen Moss catching a touchdown pass, but it was no use. The Valley Trophy was back in San Jose. The Spartans started one in five, but have won four straight by an average of 15 points and have a shot at getting into the conference championship game. Fresno State finally gets upended after several close calls, but gets a break with New Mexico and San Diego State to finish the year. Chevin Cordero continues to play efficient, good football. Nine of 18, 146 passing yards, three touchdowns, 27 rushing yards and a fumble on the ground. Kyrie Robinson continues to dominate 19 carries, 200 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. He is making a strong case for Offensive Player of the Year. Wally Conley added 15 carries and 93 rushing yards. Nick Nash was their leading receiver with four catches, 66 receiving yards, and a touchdown. DJ Harvey had seven tackles and a tackle for loss. Noah Lavulo had four tackles and two sacks. Matthew Tago had five tackles and an interception. And Michael Dansby had that iconic 98-yard pick six. Mikey Keene struggled before. He ended up getting hurt. 12 of 20, 110 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Malik Sherrod was really limited. Didn't impact the game as much as they would want to, although you have to consider that they were down by at least 20 points for the majority of this game, so you're going to be throwing the ball a lot. 15 carries, 68 rushing yards, and also had four catches. Mac was their leading receiver with six catches, 69 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And Kosi Aguina had 10 tackles and half a tackle for loss. Next, let's go over Wyoming Traveling to the strip to take on UNLV this Friday night showdown was all Rebels at the beginning. They got on the board first with Jaden Maiava scooting past the goal line from 10 yards out, and after a strip sack from Elijah Shelton gave them great field position, they again finished it off with a Jaden Maiava touchdown run. Wyoming still couldn't move the ball, and UNLV kept on chugging, making it a 21-0 lead with a Jet Thomas touchdown run. The Cowboys were in danger of getting blown out, but they got themselves back in it, after recovering a fumble and turning it into a 32-yard touchdown run from Andrew Peasley. They got another punch in with Wyatt Whelan running it in from one yard out and actually had a chance to tie the game before halftime, but with 12 seconds left at the 10-yard line, Andrew Peasley made a huge mistake by forcing the ball into coverage where it was picked off by Cam Oliver. After the second half started with two punts, UNLV got the momentum back with a 13-play drive that ended with Jaden Maiava finding a wide open. Kaleo Ballen guy for an easy score. Wyoming would have a long drive of their own in response, but it stalled and forced them to take a field goal, which they missed. The Rebels marched down the field once again and converted on a short field goal to make it a 17-point game with eight minutes remaining. The Rebels would hit another field goal before the game was over, but the damage had been dealt long ago. UNLV continues to thrive in Barry Odom's first year and have their most important game of the year coming up against Air Force. Wyoming, on the other hand, had has lost three of their last four, and while they have a good chance at getting to eight wins with their schedule softening up, their dreams of playing for a conference championship are out of the window. Jaden Maiava just continues to ball out. 17 of 24, 232 passing yards, a touchdown, also had 40 rushing yards and two touchdowns and a fumble on the ground. He just has been incredible for this UNLV team, stepping in for Doug Brumfield. Ricky White is honestly looking like the most dominant receiver in the entire conference with Torrey Horton, A little banged up. Eight catches, 144 receiving yards. He is now the first receiver in the conference to break the thousand yard marker. Jackson Woodard finished with 11 tackles, half a sack, and one and a half tackles for loss. And Cam Oliver had a tackle and the interception in the second quarter. Andrew Peasley did his best, but ultimately it wasn't enough. 11 of 22, 144 passing yards and an interception, 69 rushing yards, a touchdown, and two fumbles on the ground. Harrison Whaley was really limited in this game. Eight carries, 29 rushing yards. It's possible he wasn't 100%, but still a very good job by that UNLV defense to limit his impact. Wyatt Whelan finished with five catches, 72 receiving yards, and a rushing touchdown. And Jordan Bertignoli and Easton Gibbs both had nine tackles apiece. Next up, we have New Mexico traveling to the blue turf to take on Boise State. Let's pretend like we don't know what happened the day after this game, shall we? Boise State struck first with a long connection from Maddox Madsen to Austin Bolt, plus the point conversion. The Lobos would respond with a lengthy drive that was capped off with a Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt five-yard touchdown run. George Holani would find the end zone from 10 yards out to push the Broncos' lead back to eight, but New Mexico quickly canceled it out with another five-yard touchdown run from Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt. You like scoring? Because here's some more on the very next play. Maddox Madsen found a completely uncovered Prince Strong for a 74-yard touchdown, which would ultimately be the knockout punch. From that point on, New Mexico's offense would accumulate 3-3 three, three and ounce, a fumble, a missed field goal, and a turnover on downs. Talon Green would sprint into the end zone from 19 yards out to stretch the lead to 29-14, to 14, and the Broncos would add on a field goal before halftime. They then opened the second half with an 11-play drive that ended with George Holani crossing the goal line from a yard out and would add one more field goal before the final buzzer to win this one easily 42-14. New Mexico falls to 3-7 and seven and seems to be out of of the bull chase. Boise State appeared to be putting the pieces back together. They had won two of the last three games and the loss was on the road to a good Fresno State team by one score without Ashton Genty. They're one of the five teams left that still have a shot at playing in the conference championship. And then Sunday morning, Andy Avalos gets canned. He finishes with a 22-14 and record and was let go, I would imagine, largely because of Eric McAllister leaving the team and the apparent destruction of Taylor Green's seemingly limitless potential. We'll talk more about this later in the show, but needless to say, it's been a tough year to be a Broncos fan. Maddox Madsen finished 6 of 11, 202 passing yards, and two touchdowns. Talon Green finished 5 of 6 with 63 passing yards and ran for 27 rushing yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. George Holani ran for 95 yards and two touchdowns on 16 carries, also added 43 receiving yards. Breezy Dubar played very well, 15 carries, 91 rushing yards. Prince Strawn was the leader. Receiver, three catches, 128 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Sayi Oladipo had seven tackles, three tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. And Ahmed Hassanane had three tackles and two sacks. Freshman Devin Dampierre got the start over Dylan Hopkins and he played okay 17 of 26, 200 passing yards, and 48 rushing yards. Jakory Krosky Merritt had 15 carries, 72 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and a fumble. Caleb Medford led the way for them in the receiving department with three catches and 77 yards. And Eric Moore had eight tackles. Next, we have San Diego State traveling to Fort Collins to take on Colorado State. The bowl eligibility showdown, it was a defensive struggle to start with four straight punts kicking things off. The first score of the game was a safety of all things with Mohamed Kamara blindsiding Jalen Maiden in the end zone. The Rams would add a field goal after an Aztec muff punt and one more after a three and out. Colorado State finally found the end zone with a 90-yard drive ending with a dallin Holker. Rushing touchdown. Yes, that's soon to be all American tight end. The 15-0 score would hold past halftime until San Diego State broke through with a field goal. The Rams looked like they had the game locked up after true freshman Justin Marshall ran it in from five yards out to make it twenty-two to three. But Colorado State never makes it easy, do they? The Aztecs got a field goal to make it a two possession game and closed in with with a ridiculous Jalen Maiden scramble away from pressure into an eight-yard touchdown run, but they missed out on the two-pointer. With 11 minutes left, the Rams marched down the field and looked like they were going to put the game out of reach, but Van Shield coughed the ball up at the 25-yard line. It would take six and a half minutes for the Aztecs to get to the end zone again, making it a 22-19 game with two minutes to go. Finally, the Rams put the game away with Avery Morrow picking up a first down, keeping Colorado State's bowl hopes alive. San Diego State, on the other hand, will not make a bowl game for the first time since 2009 not counting 2020, leading to head coach Brady Hoke announcing his retirement following the end of the season. So yeah, that's two coach casualties this week. Braden Fowler-Nicolosi ultimately struggled when you look at his stat line. 17 of 30, 202 passing yards, an interception, and two fumbles with how good Hawaii's looked, and that is their game that they're playing at the end of the season. Braden Fowler-Nicolosi is going to need to play a lot better for this team to make a bowl game. True freshman Justin Marshall getting his first playing time of his career You're absolutely balled out. 18 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown. Justice Ross Simmons had four catches for 89 receiving yards. Dallin Holker had six catches, 57 receiving yards, and the rushing touchdown. Tory Horton only had four catches and 24 receiving yards, but he did throw a 42 yard pass. Henry Blackburn had eight tackles, two tackles for loss and a sack. Dominic Morris had six tackles and two tackles for loss. And Mohammed Kamara had five tackles and a sack, which was the safety at the beginning of the game. Jalen Maiden wasn't too effective, 19 of 25, 128 passing yards and a rushing touchdown. Cam Davis was their best running back, 9 carries, 67 rushing yards and 18 receiving yards. Mark Redman had 4 catches, for 53 receiving yards. Josh Hunter had 15 tackles and a deflection. And Sedarius Barfield had 9 tackles and an interception. Last but not least, let's go over Nevada taking on Utah State in Maverick Stadium. A big game for both teams. The Aggies kicked off the game with a long touchdown drive ending with Cooper Legoff finding tight end Brock Lane in the end zone. Nevada would match that with their own touchdown pass to a tight end, with new starting QB A.J. Bianco hitting Cameron Ziedler for the 21-yard score. Utah State took the lead back with a field goal and then got a boost after an A.J. Bianco pass was knocked into the air, fell into defensive tackle Senny Tuiaki's hands, where he raced 63 yards to the house. In his own words, he was running like he was running to McDonald's. Nevada wouldn't go away, though. Knocking a Cooper Lagaw pass into the air, where Bishop Turner dove in and snagged it. They turned that into three points, but Utah State's explosive pass game finally detonated with Lagaw finding Micah Davis on a deep post for the 47-yard touchdown just before halftime to make it 24 to 10 Aggies. The Wolfpack continued to struggle offensively, going through a brutal second half stretch of five punts, a one-play drive ending in a fumble and a turnover on downs. Utah State took full advantage, adding a field goal early in the third and. Put pushing the lead to 34-10 with Rasul Faison putting the offense on his back by picking up all 57 yards of the drive, punching in a two-yard run. Nevada got something going after an Amani Johnson interception, led to a Sean Dollars touchdown run plus the two-point, but the Aggies put the game away with a 25-yard Terrell Vaughn touchdown catch with five minutes left. AJ Bianco led one more touchdown drive before the end of the game. Blake Anderson continues his push for his ninth bowl game in 10 years, while Nevada, and Ken Wilson dropped to 2-8. and eight. Cooper Lagat continues to be quite the gunslinger. 18 of 33, 182 passing yards, 3 touchdowns, and 2 interceptions. Also ran for 45 yards. Rushul Faizan absolutely balled out. 22 carries, 181 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Micah Davis finished with 5 catches, 87 receiving yards, and a touchdown. MJ Tafisi finishes with 12 tackles and half a tackle for loss. Both Anthony Switzer and Paul Fitzgerald had 7 tackles and a sack. And Senny Tuiaki had 5 tackles in that iconic pick 6. AJ Bianco finished 13 of 25, 161 passing yards, 2 touchdowns, an interception, and 74 rushing yards, so not bad for his first actual start. Sean Dollars finished with 18 carries, 82 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Dale Campbell finished with 5 catches, 74 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Richard Tony Jr. led the Wolfpack with 12 tackles and a tackle for loss. Marcel Walker-Burgess had 8 tackles and a sack. Monty Johnson had quite the day with six tackles, half a tackle for loss, two deflections and an interception, and Bishop Turner had three tackles and a pick. Real quick, I want to go over who's still got a chance at making the Mountain West Championship. We're down to five teams and they all have a path to the Craig Thompson Trophy. Let's break it down. Our top two spots are occupied by Air Force and UNLV at five and one. They play next week. Obviously, Air Force finishes their season with Boise State, while UNLV finishes it with San Jose State. Either team would have the tie over the other with the win and the same goes for their second game since both Boise State and San Jose State are still in play for the conference championship. Fresno State at 4-2 and two, their last two games are New Mexico and San Diego State and they have tiebreakers over UNLV and Boise State. Boise State also at 4-2 and two, they finish their season with Utah State and Air Force and they have tiebreakers over San Jose State and could have a tiebreaker over Air Force if they win that game. And San Jose State at 4-2 and two, they play San Diego 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 State and UNLV so they have a tiebreaker over Fresno State and would have it over UNLV if they win that season finale. I know that was a lot, but let's break down what's important. The winner of the Air Force UNLV game will clinch a spot in the Mountain West Championship. It doesn't mean they will definitely host, but it does mean they will be one of the two teams in there. If Air Force was to lose this game, they would need to win their final game and they would need Fresno to lose. It would be the same situation for UNLV as they would need to win their final game and for fresno state to lose for fresno state to make the championship game they have to win out and they would be in if they were tied with unlv and i'm not sure about air force since they haven't played head-to-head it gets into some very weird tiebreakers that i wasn't able to decipher boise state has to win out and needs a fresno state loss and san jose state has to win out and needs a boise state loss also while we're here let's go over the two head coaching changes andy avalos gets canned at boise state in his third year we are already mentioned his 22 and 14 record no one could have seen this coming at the beginning of the year Avalos was expected to take his roster of young talent back to the championship but disaster seemed to be waiting for the Broncos at every turn it started by getting blown out by Washington and continued with two excruciatingly close non-conference losses to UCF and Memphis the moment that may have ended Avalos's tenure was the holy Holker play that gave Colorado State their first ever win against Boise State if it wasn't that the recent developments of star wide receiver Eric McAllister hitting the portal and the apparent destruction of Talon Green's potential may have been the final nail in the coffin. Obviously, a pretty desirable job, but we'll see if they try to go with somebody with Boise State ties or just an up-and-comer. Two long shots I want to mention, former coach Brian Harson, who obviously got fired by Auburn a year ago, and Chris Peterson, who did retire a while ago, but maybe he would come back out of retirement. I'm pretty sure both of these are very long, long shots. The up-and-comer, who could be in play for this job. You have Missouri Offensive Coordinator Kirby Moore, who, of course, is the brother of Kellen Moore, played for the Broncos from 2009 to 2013, and he's taken Missouri's offense that was ranked 86th last year into the spot of 31 in scoring offense. Washington Offensive Coordinator Ryan Grubb has become a very notable name, and as he has built two top 10 offenses in a row at Washington, Chargers Offensive Coordinator Kellen Moore obviously needs to be a mention, the legend of Boise State, one of the greatest players of all time in college football, obviously worth a call at least. Texas co-defensive coordinator Jeff Choate is another former player. Montana State head coach Brent Vigan doesn't have any real ties to the program, but he's gone 32-7 and there and was the runner-up in the FCS in 2021. The Toronto Argonauts head coach Ryan Dinwiddie, who of course was one of their greatest quarterbacks of all time, is currently 36-14 and and won the 2023 Great Cup. Colorado offensive coordinator Sean. Lewis has done a great job there even though he got demoted he's taken that offense from 127th to 45th and of course he was the head coach at Kent State before he took that job and last name I want to mention is Idaho head coach Jason Eck who has really revitalized that program in a short amount of time and had them ranked in the FCS top five next let's move on to Brady Hoke announcing his retirement from San Diego State he was entering his fourth year with the program in his second stint his 17th year overall as a head coach He was 26 and 19 in this 40 year span and finishes 104 91 overall. While Hoke did retire, it's not hard to read between the lines. The Aztecs are not going bowling for the first time in 14 years and have been 10 and 13 over the last two years following their 12 and 2 2021 campaign. Hoke seems to have no answers to the offense's issues, and it just seems like it's time for a fresh face at the helm. Potential replacements, former head coaches, I want to mention Brian Harson. We mentioned him earlier, former auburn and boise state head coach matt wells who did very well at utah state of course coach jordan love then went to texas tech and didn't work out there and zach arnett who was just fired by mississippi state a couple hours ago up and comers a couple of names we've already talked about washington offensive coordinator ryan grubb missouri offensive coordinator kirby moore the other names to watch oregon state offensive coordinator brian lindgren who has taken them from the 38th offense to the 14th offense obviously Oregon oregon state putting together a very good season ravens quarterback coach t martin who of course was the quarterback of that tennessee team that won a national championship really highly respected in coaching circles arizona offensive coordinator Brennan carroll who has done a very good job there also want to mention that is pete carroll's son and last name to mention is an in-conference guy unlv offensive coordinator Brennan marion who was a passing game coordinator at texas before he took the job at unlv and he is one of the hottest names in coaching it would be quite surprising if he was on UNLV's staff next year, it seems like he's either going to get a major coordinator job or maybe his own program to run. With week 11 out of the way, let's get down to what's in store for week 12, starting with Boise State taking on Utah State in Logan. Despite the coaching change, this game is sure to be a doozy. The Aggies have won two straight and three out of the last four in convincing fashion with a pass attack that's always dangerous. The Broncos blew out New Mexico by 28, but it wasn't enough for Andy Avalos to keep his job. Defensive coordinator Spencer Danielson will be the interim, and Boise State will try to stay hot on the ground and keep their title hopes alive. Utah State has to protect the football, get the ball to Jalen Royals on deep balls and Terrell Vaughn in space, and limit George Holani's impact. Boise State will need to control the time of possession, convert on red zone opportunities, and pressure Cooper Laga to hopefully force some turnovers. My prediction, it's hard to know if the coaching change will boost or kill the Broncos' momentum. They played very well last week, but without... Ashton Genti at full strength in a secondary that's shaky at best. I think they could drop this one. It's at Maverick Stadium. The Aggies are a passing attack that can hurt Boise in a number of ways and factor in how well Rashul Faisan has played. I really like Utah State here. Faison runs for triple digit yards and two touchdowns to lead the Aggies to bowl eligibility. My predicted final Utah State 35, Boise State 27. Next, we have New Mexico traveling to take on Fresno State. Both teams are coming off of humbling losses. New Mexico Mexico hung around for a quarter, but ended up losing to Boise State by 28, while Fresno State dropped their rivalry game against San Jose State. For the Lobos to get some momentum going through the end of the season, they'll need their secondary to make plays and keep the Bulldogs' offense at bay. They'll also need to get Devin Dampierre in a good rhythm, since the run game won't be able to support the whole offense. The Bulldogs have to protect the football, get Malik Sherrod going again, and stuff the run much better than they did last week. My prediction, for whatever reason, the Bulldogs can never blow anyone out. Even when they played Eastern Washington, they needed overtime. I expect this game to be similar, with the Lobos keeping it close for three quarters before Fresno State's run game puts the game away late. Malik Sherrod returns to form with two touchdowns in the first half to keep the Bulldogs in the title chase. My predicted final, Fresno State 34, New Mexico 23. Next, we have Hawaii traveling to Laramie to take on Wyoming. The battle for the Paniolo Trophy should be a great matchup. Hawaii is coming off the heels of Timmy Chang's biggest win ever against Air Force while Wyoming was stymied by red-hot UNLV. For the Rainbow Warriors to keep their slim bull hopes alive, they have to protect the football like they did against Air Force, hit some home runs to their big play receivers, and slow down the Cowboys' run game. Craig Bull's squad will have to have an effective passing game to keep the defense honest and defensively must rattle Braden Shager with pressure and turnovers. My prediction, while the Cowboys are struggling of late, they seem to take care of business against teams they theoretically should be. Their defense remains one of the most talented in the conference and while the offense hasn't been impressive by any means Andrew Peasley is playing as confidently as he ever has even with Hawaii's momentum coming into this game I think the defense forces a couple turnovers that end up being the difference Wyoming controls the line of scrimmage and controls the game with their ground attack which has a nice rebound with Harrison Whaley running for over 100 yards as the Cowboys get back in the win column my predicted final Wyoming 27 Hawaii 17 next we have Nevada traveling to Fort Collins to take on Colorado. State. both teams will come into this game feeling like it's a must-win game, even if that's only true for one side. Colorado State got out to a big lead against San Diego State and almost blew it, but they survived and kept their bull chances intact. The Wolfpack hung around for a bit against Utah State, but ultimately fell by double digits for the Rams to set up a potential bowl play-in game against Hawaii. They'll need to keep up their consistent pressure from the D-line, continue to feed Justin Marshall to see if his debut was just a flash in the pan, and protect the football. I'm looking at you, Braden Fowler or Nicolosi. Nevada will need A.J. Bianco to be at his best in the air and on the ground, and the defense has to get some takeaways to help out their offense. My prediction, the Rams may be hitting their stride at the right time. They had some great moments on both sides of the ball last week, and while it wasn't perfect, it was very encouraging. The discovery of Justin Marshall's talent could pay dividends to a team that's lacked an explosive running back this year they factor in their passing game that can be lethal, and it's a tough ask for Nevada to come into Fort Collins and come out with a win. I think the defense makes A.J. Bianco's night a nightmare with defenders constantly breaking through the line to blow up plays while the offense scores more than 30 points for the first time in 5 games to power the Rams to 5-6. and My predicted final Colorado State 31, Nevada 17. Next we have the main event with UNLV traveling to Colorado Springs to take on Air Force, arguably the biggest game of the year so far in the Mountain West. The winner of this one will clinch a spot in the Mountain West Championship game. UNLV looked on unstoppable against Wyoming, while Air Force had a polar opposite performance laying their second straight egg against Hawaii. The Rebels will look to keep doing what they're doing offensively, wearing down the defense with constant motions and runs with the go-go offense, protecting the football and not taking unnecessary risks, while the defense just has to keep playing as clutch as they have been. For Air Force to write the ship and make their first conference championship since 2015, they have to hold on to the freaking football, score some touchdowns, and be the first team to disrupt Jaden office. Maia- us confidence. My prediction, one team is hot, the other is not. Until Air Force proves to me that they're still the team that started 8-0, I can't trust them, especially against an opponent with more wins than the two teams the Falcons lost to combined. The Rebels are putting together a truly special season, and it would become an all-time great year if they can get the win here. In a hostile environment, Jaden Maiava continues to play with a poise that's uncanny for a freshman, as he leads UNLV with two passing touchdowns and another on the ground to clinch their first ever conference championship appearance my prediction UNLV 28 Air Force 20 and last but not least we have a big rivalry game San Diego State traveling to Sefco Stadium to take on San Jose State our final game of the week to go over is the El Camino Real rivalry the battle for San Blank State supremacy the programs appear to be heading in opposite directions with San Diego State falling out of bowl contention and moving on from Brady Ho while San Jose State won their fourth straight game and even still have a chance at making the conference championship for the Aztecs to pull off the upset, they'll need their passing game to wake up, front seven to slow down the Spartans' run game, and the secondary to hold its own and not allow any home runs. The Spartans need to keep feeding their incredible running backs, working the pass game off of the back of that, not the other way around, and defensively, they must get some takeaways to really take control of this game. My prediction, while one team is certainly expected to win, it is a rivalry game, so this should be close. As bad as the Aztecs have looked offensively, their defense is still pretty solid and has the talent to force San Jose State into some mistakes that being said I have no idea where they would get their points from the Spartans continue to use their winning formula of grounding and pounding into submission and pull away from San Diego State in the fourth quarter to keep their improbable run to the conference championship game going my predicted final San Jose State 35 San Diego State 17 last order of business let's hand out this week's hikes peak weekly MVP and we're gonna go with Kyrie Robinson another legendary performance from Kyrie Robinson he ran for exactly 200 yards on 19 carries along with two touchdowns to lead his team to the huge upset over rival fresno state by far their biggest win of the year and it happened in large part due to robinson's efforts congrats on your second hikes peak weekly mvp Kyrie. that's it for this episode of the hikes peak podcast thank you so much for coming back to the mountain make sure to make the trek back here next tuesday for another brand new episode where we'll talk about what went down in week 11 and get you jacked up for the final week of the regular season. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on, or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that, so any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. An insane week of news to cover this week, and it'll likely just keep getting crazier. Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.